Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the very first episode of Mike's podcast. And uh, I got to tell you, I got no idea what I'm doing here. So I don't, hopefully you're able to listen to this. I am learning all of this as we go. And um, I've wanted to start one of these for a while. And I've tried to figure out exactly what to share on here, what I want to do. And a part of why I'm calling this this Mike's podcast is probably because I'm just not super creative with names. I've got Mike's Notes. That's my little newsletter that some of you receive. And Mike's podcast seems to make sense. But it allows also for me to kind of talk about what I want to talk about rather than pigeonholing it into like, this is leadership lessons and I got to share leadership stuff or I'm going to do Bible nuggets and everything's going to be sort of Bible stuff. So this gives me this ability to... um, to be able to share with you things that that for me are kind of stirring in me in some sort of way, which leads me into what we're going to spend some time with today. Now, these are going to be a bit raw, unedited, not doing, at least right now, some sort of like musical intro or outro sort of thing. But what I want to do, and this this is just what I'm going to do for the next, like, I think we're going to have like six of these maybe, is these short-ish, and I actually have no idea how long they're going to be, but short-ish kind of sermonettes or um, kind of thoughts, I guess. And I want to walk through some themes from a book of the Bible called Job, this like, this ancient book that as all of this stuff started happening, as COVID-19 descended on us and we got our stay-at-home orders and the isolation began to grow, um, I, I was drawn to this ancient book that I hadn't spent a lot of time in before. And I just started reading it one night and just furiously like writing stuff down, underlining things, writing questions that it just felt so relevant and significant to this moment. And so I called up a friend of mine who's an Old Testament scholar, and and I just told her, like, hey, can you help me understand Job a bit more? Because I I haven't studied it in depth a ton, but I feel like it has so much to say right now. And as she walked me through so many of the things that are going on at a sort of, like, high level that I just, my heart kept like skipping a beat that it was like, oh my gosh, this has so much to say to us right now. It's so incredibly relevant right now. And I just wanted to spend some time walking you through some of the things that I'm that I'm discovering in this. And I hope that it's helpful for you. And so I'm thinking of these as these like little sermonettes where we're not gonna we're not gonna walk through the entire book of Job. I've got six of these outlined right now. Uh, maybe we'll do a few more. Maybe we'll do a few less as we get into it. And I'll just kind of record them as I am able to and have time to kind of put it together. And so my hope is to to put them out every like within a week. Hopefully the next one will come out. But you know. We'll see how this thing goes. We're just kind of making it up as we go, which is what's happening with everything right now. If you've never read the book of Job, it's this its this ancient really play. It, it's really set up in a lot of ways like 
a play, there's these like long Shakespearean like monologues. There's this scene at the beginning that kind of sets up the whole thing. And so much of the book is almost like written poetically, but but the first couple of chapters and then the last chapter, they're written in prose as a sort of like set up intro and then kind of like outro at the end. The audience, just like in a play, is given a different perspective than the characters in it. And so it's all set up where we we get this sort of like curtain pulled back and we get to see this thing happening behind the scenes that the characters who are actually in it don't know that that's what's going on. And the thing with the book of Job, there's there's several interesting things going on. And I think one of the things that, that we can get lost in in it is that the goal of it isn't to figure out, like, is this a historical event or not? Was this there this person, this historical person named Job, who these things actually happened to in this kind of way, and that did he have these friends, and these were these actual conversations that they had. That That's not the question of Job. You read ancient literature, and you're not finding them asking that question. The, the bigger question is, uh, what is the story trying to say to us? How do we enter into it? And how do we let that story affect us because so much of that story can find resonance in our own stories. And so it, it asks these bigger questions of us. It forces us to have some self-evaluation. It'll confront us at times and it'll challenge us at times and it, it doesn't settle for easy answers. And one of the things that I love about Job is that it pushes past sort of trite, normal, religious ideas. And so it forces us, it forces us to enter into pain and suffering in maybe some different ways than we're used to in some religious context. And so the way that the whole story starts, the way this whole sort of like play starts, is it it gives us a picture of Job doesn't tell us everything about Job. It, it's important anytime that you're reading anything in the scriptures to think about like they left out all kinds of things. Why is the author of this telling us these specific things? So like the first three verses of Job are giving us an overarching picture of Job, but we're missing so much of his life. But it's important to pay attention to what is said here. Here's how it begins. It says, in the land of Uz, there was, a, there was a man who lived whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys. He had a great and large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. What they want us to get here, what the author's helping us to understand here, is that Job has the ability to live comfortably. He has what he needs. He is well taken care of. He has people taking care of him. He's got food that he doesn't have to worry about. He's got all of this stuff here. It was reminding me a bit. Allison and I have been watching this show that's on Apple TV Plus called The Morning Show. We've been, that's kind of been our thing that we've been going through together in the evenings after the kids go to bed. And there is this moment where one of the characters, he says something about 
um, becoming wealthy, that he's incredibly wealthy. And he says, people become wealthy to escape suffering. They become wealthy to remove themselves, not only from their own suffering, but you have the ability when you have income, when you have means, you have the ability to not have to be in contact with others who are suffering. And so you move to places like the suburbs, you move to places where you have more space, you move to gated communities, you move into these spaces where you can, you can functionally remove yourself from suffering and you can create distance from it. And so you get to live comfortably. And the reality is that for most of us in the West, we've been able to live comfortably. Some of us have been able to live more comfortably than others, but if we're not wondering every day whether or not we'll have food for the day, we're living pretty comfortably. And when you live comfortably, you can ask different questions. You can engage in things in different ways because the stress of the everyday will I survive is taken off of your shoulders. As you can ask questions like, like what kind of job is meaningful and satisfying to me? It's the kind of question that can only get asked when, when we're in comfort. We get to engage in things differently. And so, so Job is comfortable. He's taken care of. He doesn't have to think about his needs. He's not living day to day. He lives, he lives this comfortable kind of life. In fact, the author of Job goes on to tell us what that comfortable life then kind of looks like for, for his children. It says in verse 4 that his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays. And they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have cerned and cursed God in their hearts. And so this was Job's regular custom. In other words, they would throw, his children would throw these parties, and what Job would do is he would be concerned that maybe what's going to happen is that they're going to they're going to sin against God, and that sin needs to be taken care of. And so unbeknownst to his children, what he would do behind the scenes is he would sort of like take care of that for them. He would give uh, uh, an offering for them in order to make sure, in order to make sure that they were being taken care of. This is one of the realities of living in comfort is that there are all these things that are taken care of for us behind the scenes that we often have no idea of it just happens my guess is if you're like me you have become very aware of those sorts of things right now i remember the first visit that i made to the supermarket after all of this had sort of gone down after we had gotten schools canceled and the severity of what was happening kind of hit us. And so I went to the supermarket like so many people to try to make sure that we had some essentials in our home. And I walked over to the meat department and there was nothing. Like it was just, it was just empty. And I had this like moment where I realized like, I don't usually have to think about where my food comes from. 
I show up in the meat department and it's sitting there all packaged nicely behind the plastic cellophane and whatever. And I don't, I don't have to think about it. It's just sort of there for me. And this is being exposed. These things that I don't have to think about that happen behind the scenes are, are now being exposed. They're being sort of brought to the surface. Remember I was with a group in Haiti several years ago and on our last night in Haiti, we had gathered in this home for dinner and it was like this guest home that we had been staying in for the past like nine or 10 days. And as we were having our final meal there, they told us that we were eating goat and, and it was just like luxury for us to be eating goat. And one of the people I was with was, uh, it was a group of 20 somethings. And one of the, the young men in his 20s, he says, oh, that's so interesting. There had been this goat out of our window all week that we've been here. And I looked at this morning and he was gone. And they just looked at us and they said, yeah, that's what you're eating. That's why that goat was there. We had bought him for this meal for us to have. And he just had this like moment of this stark realization of how disconnected we have been oftentimes from from our food, from where it comes from, from all these things that are happening behind the scenes. And my guess is that we have been all having these kinds of moments where, where there's stuff that's been taken care of for us. We haven't had to think about it. It just happens behind the scenes. And now all of that's being exposed. Now all of that's having to be dealt with. This is, this is sort of the context of who Job is and what's going on. They live in this comfort where things are, things are taken care of for the kids behind the scenes. They don't have to worry about it. They don't even know that it's happening. That the family, they have what they need. And so they have this removal from the, from the worry about day-to-day needs. They don't have to live in day-to-day worry. And so they have the comfort as a result of that. They have the ability to remove themselves from suffering because because of their comfort. They don't have to engage in suffering in the same way that other people do. And so Job then moves into this sort of like heavenly scene. And in this heavenly scene, there's, there's all kinds of things going on here. Maybe we'll get into a little bit more of it later on in another one of these episodes, but not in this one. The essence of what happens in this heavenly scene is essentially, is Job just righteous because he has a good life? This is the question that's being asked. Is Job just good with God? Does he just make the right decisions? Does he just do the right things? Does he just say the right things? Is he just religious? Does he just believe the right things? Is all of those things true of him just because of what he gets out of it? Are all those things true of him just because he lives a comfortable life? The question that ends up becoming this question at the beginning of Job is who will he be when he loses his comfort? Who will he be when he loses what's been normal for him? And so what happens for Job is in just a matter of moments, he learns that his servants have been killed, the people who take care of him. He learns that his sheep are burned up. The, uh, a, um, 
a means of income and and even um, his um, camel are stolen and then his children tragically die like everything around him comes crashing down everything that is normal in his life is taken away everything that's providing him with the comfort that he lives with is just suddenly gone and it just happens in a matter of moments it happens so quickly and then what happens is it begins attacking him personally it's not just taking away the things around him and the people around him but it begins to attack him personally and he ends up with this terrible disease where sores are all over his body and it's bothering him so much that he's taking broken pottery and he's just like he's scraping his skin with it because it's just bothering him so much and it's such a hard state of affairs for him that his wife says like wouldn't it be better if we just curse god and died like just a perfectly normal response like god what the hell i mean come on do we really need to go through all this I mean, the question, the question that's raised at the beginning of Job is, is this. It's, who will he be when his comfort is taken away from him? Who is he going to be when what's normal to him, what he's gotten so used to, the comfort that he has been able to live his life, like when that's just stripped away, who's he going to be in that moment? Because that's the moment that he's in, and that's the question that's being asked of him, which by the way, is the same question that is being asked of us today, too, isn't it? I mean, this is exactly where we are today. That the comfort that we have been used to, the things that we've been used to seeing and experiencing, the ability to not think about where our food comes from and what's behind it, that there are these things that just sort of happen behind the scenes that make our life sort of work and make our comfort sort of work that we don't have to think about. And all of that is being stripped away in some ways. And what has been normal to us that has created comfort for us is being taken away And so we're all being asked the same question that Job is being asked. Who will we be now that what's comfortable is being taken away from us? When what's normal is being stripped from us? This week, a friend of mine sent me this part of a book that um, tells the story of an anthropologist who went to live with a tribe in Uganda. They're called the Eek. And this tribe in Uganda had been uprooted and moved by the government. They were taken away from like the way of life that they knew, that had they gotten used to, that was normal for them, that they were comfortable with for generations and generations and generations. The way that they got food, the way that they related socially, the way that their whole community worked. And the government of Uganda picked them up, moved them. It was about 2,000 people, moved them to this other area. And this tribe had been known for their hospitality and for their kindness and for their compassion. But what happened is suddenly they were worried every single day about where their food was going to come from. That it consumed their daily thoughts. They were just trying to survive every day. And that became so consuming that what happened, this anthropologist said, is that they became cynical and they became mean. They lost their ability to love, he said. In fact, he would go on to say that their ability to love, that it vanished quickly 
but that it took generations for it to come back. That it was one of those things that it was lost so easily, but in order to regain it, it took so much more time than how quickly it was lost. Here's, here's a quote from the book. It says, Living among the Eek, contrary to everything he expected to find, Turnbull was first saddened and then angered and horrified to conclude that love of one's children, parents, and spouse, far from being basic human qualities, are merely superficial luxuries that we can afford in times of plenty. For the eek had become truly monstrous. They had lost their ability to love. That when what was normal was disrupted for them, when what they were comfortable in was taken away from them, the thing that they lost was love. They lost loving their children, their parents, and even their spouses. That it was something that was a part of their life, not as a basic human quality, he says, but instead was something that they could have when they were in luxury. In other words, it was something they were afforded when they were comfortable. Uh, I, wonder, I wonder who we will be when what's comfortable is taken away from us. I mean, if we're not intentional, these intangible qualities, they're going to go. They're going to disappear rapidly, and they're going to take a long time to come back. There are things that we are going to lose over the course of this stay-at-home period, whether it lasts a month, two months, six months. They're going to be gone, and they're going to take decades to regain. What, what do we want to hold on to? I mean, the thing is that our stay-at-home order, our isolation, whatever it is that you are in right now, it's going to last long enough for us to form new habits, even for us to unintentionally form new habits. And so this moment, it forces us to ask, who will we be? It forces us to ask even, like, who do we want to be? Like, we get to ask, who do we want to be? It doesn't just happen to us. We get to ask, who do I want to be? When everything that's been normal, when everything that's been comfortable for us has been taken away, who do I want to be? And so right now, friends, you and I, we, we have this unique opportunity. We have this unique opportunity to get to ask and to get to have clarity and to get to be intentional about what qualities we don't want to lose right now and what it is that we're going to intentionally move towards. So Job, Job opens up with this question that he's essentially being asked. Who is he going to be when everything that's comfortable is taken away from him? And you and I are sitting in that same moment asking that same question. And so friends, uh, thanks for hanging with me on this first episode of Mike's podcast. Um, I had so many microphone and technical issues. A friend of mine texted me and told me I'm getting old trying to figure out tech stuff. And so hopefully it doesn't show up too poorly in this because we had to stop and start this over a dozen times. We'll get this we'll get this thing figured out as we keep moving forward. We're going to get further into Job uh, in the weeks to come. We're going to look at several different themes through the book of Job and talk about like what does that mean for us now? How does that how does this ancient book, this ancient this ancient play, how does it relate to us now and how do we enter into that story? now and and what does it have to say to us now and so i'm excited to spend some time with you kind of 
kind of processing that and thinking about that together. And hopefully, um, hopefully we get this podcasting thing figured out. So thanks for being here with me today, friends. I hope, I hope that you will ask yourself the question, who do I want to be with my normalcy and my comfort being stripped away? Who will I choose to be with that being stripped away? Grace and peace to you, my friends.